Welcome to the Everything EC podcast. I am your host, Carla Ward, and joining me today is Ron Shuali. He is an early childhood keynote speaker and workshop presenter, and today he is going to talk to us about one of the most challenging parts of being an early childhood educator, and that is behavior mastery. Welcome to the show, Ron. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. I'm so glad that we were able to connect. Tell me how you became an early childhood keynote speaker. Um, that goes all the way back to, uh, 2006. I was a martial art instructor at a dojo where I was trained to work with kids to all the way up until, uh, full adult and, um, working with preschool kids was kind of like my joy and passion because they had the same mentality as I do the same silliness, the same resistance, Um, and then I just happened to be doing a karate birthday party on the side at a, uh, um, some person's house and a director of a preschool, um, asked me, it's like, wow, this is great. Like I've never seen somebody work with kids as well. Cause it was a, it was a brother and sister team. So the brother was three years old and the sister was five. They had like birthdays three weeks apart. So mom's like, all right, let me just do everything together type thing. Um, so she saw me work with the three-year-olds and she saw how I shifted it with the five-year-olds. Uh, and then she asked me, "Is like, can you do this in a preschool? Like, do you have lesson plans and curriculum? And I said, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And then I said, note to self, create lesson plans and curriculum. Yeah, and my, my whole world is about improv. Like, yes, and is just, uh, you know, any opportunity you have for anything, someone asks you to do something, I just say, yes, and I'll figure it out. Because it's like, if you don't, it's like, you're not going to get the job that you weren't going to get anyway. So you might as well, like, just go for it. Um and uh, I started working at the preschools January 16 of 2006. Oh, there's my 15-pound uh, attack dog. Um, and I walked into the preschool, and it was interesting because from a dojo perspective, a karate school, you know, they say, uh, they could say, yes, sir. They say, yes, ma'am, whenever you tell them what to do. And then I walked into the preschool. I'm setting up my program. I'm putting the spots down. You already know what's coming. Um, I put the spots <laughs> I do. down. And I, go, I do the like, if you're listening, hands there. If you're listening, touch your nose. If you're listening. And the kids go, I'm like, all right. And then one kid just starts running around in circles. And I'm like, okay, come on, everybody. Let's go stand in our spots. And this kid said to me, uh, I want to pronounce it right. No. Kept on running around a circle. And my mind's just like, what do you mean no? And then it went into all the automatic things that a lot of teachers that I train right now go into um, our brain stuff. It's like, well, I'm an adult. I'm an educator. I have a degree. I have this. I'm taller than you. I want to like all these things that literally don't matter to this four-year-old running around circles, which when I was that little kid, same thing. Like you can tell me this and that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want because you have no way of making me do what you want. Um, so my brain shifted over into, okay, sales, because my, my, uh, my previous experience with, with, uh, with sales, I was a real estate agent. Um, I was assistant manager of a nutrition store. I did sales there. I did sales at a gym. So my mind went into, okay, um, how do I sell this kid on changing his behaviors? Because he wants to, because I know for myself, if you tell me not to do something, I immediately want to do it. It doesn't, it's just it, human beings. Like, for example, if I say up, you say down. If I say left, you say right. If I say stop, you say go. Congratulations, you have oppositional defiance. So <laughs> give your- but it's interesting because I'll do this in front of a keynote of a thousand people. Everybody says the same thing, but I go when I say up. Why didn't you? I'll visit. I'll revisit it. Like okay, why didn't you say stairs? Why? 
why didn't you say yours? If I say left, why didn't you say handed? If I say stop, why didn't you go in the name of love? Because we're designed to be initially oppositional. I mean, think about, you know, what's the first thing that you tell a child when they're about to do this or do that? Parents are like, no, 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 no. It's like you're rattling off a machine gun of no's to the kids. And then the parents want the first word to be mommy or daddy, but it's no because that's what they learn. So, um, I started working with a B I started looking at different techniques like neurolinguistic programming about like learning styles and understanding how to uh, understand the uh, perspectives coming from a child. And I put together a good behavior system that was for 95% of the kids. It started from one, two, three magic, but it was more geared towards shifting behaviors. Um, and then um, over the last five years, as I've been working a lot with superpower kids, gifted kids, other people call them special needs kids, but that's like, I don't, that's just putting them down. I started also working, uh, figuring out ways how to get the neurodiverse, uh, highly intelligent, super genius alpha kids to start changing their behaviors, which is a whole different thing. So my behavior mastery system, part one and two is for 95% of the kids, you tell them what to do, sit, stand, they'll do it. And then part three, four, and five is for the one that when you say like, do I want you running or do I want you sitting crisscross applesauce and I'm doing auditory and visual cues, that kid will look at you and go, you want me running? And then their mind they go now make the face that you make and the teachers go oh how can you oh like that so it's a whole different way of being and now this system has been working so well um how did i get my first keynotes i was actually uh started this the program the karate program started getting huge um i went to uh the second preschool um have you heard of the goddard schools i have not Okay, Goddard School is a, it's a chain, and what they do, it's uh, they had like 350, that was about 500 schools in the United States. Wow. And this was a Goddard School that I started, and uh, then I went to another Goddard School, and I'm like, hey, listen, here's a testimonial, which I still have hanging up on my wall, um, from this school about karate. Do you want to do a karate program? They're like, well, we don't really want karate for the kids, because they had a little closed-mindedness about, you know, martial art. They, you know, they think the kids are going to be nunchucking or whatever. And all of a sudden, uh, they're like, no, but um, we've been looking for a soccer program. Do you do soccer and I went oh yeah 100% in my mind note to self create soccer program so yeah, why not my, my, yeah whatever how well I played soccer as a little kid so it's like I, I kind of knew the basic understandings of it and in my world it was just I, I was taught um karate you're not teaching karate you're teaching kids Karate just happens to be the vehicle. So then all of a sudden I go into this preschool and the second daughter school, I bring in soccer balls and all this. I hand out registration forms that I just printed out of the Kinko's like, you know, hour, two, four. And then um, I come back and I had 30 kids signed up and I go to the bank, I deposit. And this is like, I'm out of college. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I definitely don't want to, like, I got a bachelor's in business. So I got a BS and BS. I, I just, but I didn't want to go into regular business. Like, oh, that's just whatever. But that's what my family wanted me to do. You have to be a manager because everyone, you know, they're stuck in that system of go get a job, be safe, have security two weeks a month, uh, two weeks a year, you get vacation. And then when you're 65, then you can go live your life. And I'm just like, no, like I want to live my life now. So then I started that. And then fast forward, I mean, there was a point where I started hiring instructors because I was running 10 programs a week at schools. And it got to the point where uh, we were in a bunch of different Goddard schools and these directors and this, listen, like, I want this program bigger. Do you think you can help me out? And I had four instructors in different schools and myself, and they reached out to uh, the head of the curriculum department. Um, and the guy came down in April of 20, 2009. 
And he saw, he's like, well, you know, I don't know if you can duplicate the program. I'm like, I'm not the one doing all the programs. I have four other instructors. And especially like, I mean, one director said, I don't understand. This all starts as like, okay, you brought, you sent in this like, this like 19 year old girl that is in her like first year of college, but she can get my kids to do what I want them to do instead of the opposite. So I'm just like, let me teach the system. He, he came down. Uh, I taught the whole system. Uh, he blew his mind because I did a workshop for the teachers. And then he goes and he's like, I meet with him a couple months later. He's like, we're going to have four conferences around the country. And do you want a keynote one? I'm like, absolutely. A hundred percent. What's a keynote? And he go and he, his words to me is like, you, uh, you talk less and you get paid more. I'm like, sure. My brain goes into, wait, you said I had four, you have four conferences. Like, why don't I keynote all of them? He's like, oh, okay. And then October 2nd, 9th, 16th and 23rd. I'll never forget those dates. Those are my first keynotes that Goddard flew me around the country to, uh, to start doing that. And from there, I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. And then I just started getting more and more and more recognition, um, creating more workshops because I'm in schools and I see directors have all these challenges. So I created a director's workshop. I see teachers that can't squat down and can't chase after the kids and they have lower back pain. So I created a body and mind workshop. I saw teachers that don't know how to communicate with each other or like, you know, an alpha teacher, head teacher doesn't really know how to uh, communicate with the assistant teacher. So I created a team building workshop. And so, and it just, it just keeps on going, keeps on going, just like I do. Amazing. And the thing is that all of those have, similar things in common. There is somebody in a quote unquote higher position and somebody in a lower position, right? And those two people have to work together. And it's the same thing with teachers in the classroom and their students. They need to work together to reach a common goal. So it all comes around to behaviors. So how do we get the child to want to sit without getting into that power struggle? So my world is about creating a win-win environment. And that's a new concept for a lot of people. Like we're programmed, but for us to win, someone has to lose. And um, that doesn't benefit everybody. So like I give an example, like if uh, a a win-lose environment is a child comes up to you and goes, I don't love you. And the teacher's like, oh my God, how can you say that? And the kid's like, oh, cool. I'm going to remember that button so I can push it. I'll tell my second grade brother that really worked because he's the one that taught me how to do it. And the kid wins, the teacher loses. That doesn't benefit anybody. So then you have another situation where, and like, feel free to finish this sentence because I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, a, A kid comes up to the teacher and goes, I want this. I want this. He took this. And the teacher goes, you get what you get. And you don't get upset. And you don't get upset. Right. And the kid's looking at you like, uh, no, I'm pretty upset right now. And because we, we've been told that feelings aren't allowed to happen as often as we want them to. Like as a guy growing up, I was told you're allowed to be mad. You're allowed to be angry. But if you're sad, especially in public, you're a blank, 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 blank. My sister was taught you're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to do this. But all of a sudden, if you're angry, if you're upset, oh, no, that's too much. You're being hysterical. You need to push that down. So we've been taught to suppress emotions, suppress emotions. And that basically creates dis-ease inside our body instead of allowing all that stuff to come up. So when you shut a kid down like that, and you say you get what you get you don't get upset then the teacher wins because what happens is she gets a psychological rush she gets uh she feels like she's right 
And whenever we feel like we're right, we release dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, and serotonin from our brain into our body. So literally, we give ourselves our own drugs and we get high off our own supply. And that's what we don't even realize. And, and sometimes a teacher could have a situation where at home, some they can't tell this person to do something. So then they displace that energy onto a child because there's a power thing. Where, and a lot of people, it's not even their fault. They don't even realize that they're doing this is just something that happens. So for me, win-win is a child goes, I don't love you. And the teacher goes, well, you're allowed to feel any way that you want. What center do you want to work on today? And the kid's like, Oh, okay. And then you just keep on going. Or, you know, you get, because I, I even joke around with people. I'm like, you know, how many people you say you get what you get and you don't get upset. Now imagine going to your favorite restaurant, ordering your favorite meal, and then all your friends get what they want. And the waiter puts down in front of you like a tofu salad. And you go, uh, excuse me, sir, miss, uh, this isn't what I order. And the waiter's like, you get what you get and you don't get upset and walk. You'd lose your mind. Absolutely. So exactly. Exact, so your eyes just get big like that. Yeah. So it's like, it's like to have a win-win environment takes work because we're not used to it. So to have a win-win environment means to have the kids understand our communications clearly. That's the first thing. Like when we say to a child, are you being a good listener? You're not listening. Do you have your listening ears on? And the kid's looking at you like, hold on a second. I'm going to get to my stenographer. Okay. And I quote, you said, are you being a good listener? You're not being a good listener. Do you have your listening ears on? Why do you always tell me that I'm not listening when I can hear every word that you say? But that's our programming and our conditioning. In reality, they're not following your directions. I mean, how many people have people in their homes that they say they don't listen to them? You know, they listen. They just don't want to respond because it benefits them over other people. So my world is about communicating clearly to the kids. So, for example, uh, part one of my behavior system, it's behavior mastery, is called the pattern interrupt. And it's just a way to get the kids' attention. Animal noises. If I walk into a classroom with 25 kids, <laughs> All the kids are looking at you. Row, row, row your boat. Hello, everybody. We're going to do a class. Day. Whatever. Changing the voice, changing an accent. All of a sudden, all the kids are looking because there's a lot of teachers that'll be like, Joey, 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 oh, Joey, yes. Joey, Billy. And then Joey tunes that person out. Just like I used to tune my mom out when she would scream my name. The louder she got, I would tune out. But then if we don't pattern her up to get the kid's attention, then we're not sure that kid's even focused on us because that kid has trained himself or herself to tune out. So if I go moo, if I go, if I go, like all the kids are going to look at me immediately. By the way, too, is when I talk to teachers, I, I pre-frame a little bit. I'm like, listen, this is going to be silly because this behavior system is not for you. You're an adult. This behavior system is for two to five-year-olds. So if it's too silly and it doesn't make sense to you, that's fine. If you can get past being right about it, try it and your jaw will drop how well it works. Like uh, the second part's called the preframe. And I don't give tell kids what to do. If I told you right now, you're not allowed to raise your hands in the air. What's the first thing exactly. I want to do? I want to raise exactly. my hand. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm in a workshop and I'm just like, ready, watch. You can't touch your friend. And all of a sudden, the sophisticated teacher that's trying to pretend to be the way that she thinks she's supposed to be, all of a sudden, the little inner child comes <laughs> out she's like, like, bitch. And I'm like, great. And, I, and then I say, okay, ready? I don't want to hear another peep out of you. Peep. There you go. Exactly. And, and the teachers are still surprised. I know but you're literally egging the kids on. I used to be a pro wrestler for 12 years. Okay? okay. All what I learned in wrestling is what I use in my keynotes. And, and I remember like a bad guy would be like, I'm not a chicken. 
And then all of a sudden, everyone, chicken, chicken. And then the bad guy would be like, how can you? So I'm like, it's the same thing over and over again. So um, I, I would rather, instead of communicating where it's not win-win, where it's win-lose, like you just tell kids what to do and bark orders and this and do that and get frustrated and the vein on your head starts, whatever. I use pre-frames. If I, I'm sure you've heard, I like the way. What happens if all your kids are standing and you go, I like the way you're sitting crisscross. I like the way, what happens to all the kids? They all sit crisscross. That's it. It's the crisscrossatron. And then I use auditory and I did it before. I use auditory preframe. So I'll do like this. I'm like, do I want you um, at your center or do I want you cleaning up for snack? So then it's an order. So they know what to do. Even if I drop it, like I'm saying, like, do I want you on the rug or do I want you lining up to go outside? So they know what I want them to do. Uh, a visual preframe is like, do I want you standing or do I want you sitting? And then when I do the all three together, I walk into a classroom. Like I show my behavior mastery workshop that I do. Um, I show an assembly program in my yogarati costume in front of a hundred kids. I, I, I dare any teacher right now who'd want to be in front of a hundred kids while the principal, the guidance counselor, and all the teachers are sitting there judging and evaluating. And in twenty seconds, I from getting these kids all. All riled up playing this game called run gator all of a sudden i do all my techniques and within 20 seconds they're all sitting crisscross applesauce because i want to also take away because our brain we mix up a lot of stories and by the way like 85 percent of the stuff that we make up like and we worry like never happens but that's our brain that's how it's been designed so i want to take away the story that people make up called i don't want to get the kids too worked up i don't want them having too much fun i don't want these preschoolers to get too excited because then I'm not going to be able to bring them back. Then I show my video and I go, I like the way you're sitting crisscross. I like the way you're sitting crisscross. Do I want you standing or sitting crisscross applesauce? And 95% of the kids do it. So I get them like that. And then they can be oh, oh, silly, goofy, oh, roof, 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 and they're, they're done. They're, they're right back to refocus because you, kids are super genius, but the super computer up in here is, is beyond anything that Elon Musk can even put his hands on. So it just works if you understand the way the body's designed. And the problem is, is that there's a lot of behavior systems out there that are designed around how the mind is, but every single mind is different. But our bodies are all aligned and most most of our bodies are the same. So this is how this works. Well, and I can certainly think about me as a beginner teacher versus myself now. And I was totally the, you get what you get and you don't get upset. And now I run an online tutoring business and it's not hard for the kid to hit end meeting or get up Peace. and leave, right? Like, yeah. bye, I'm not doing this. And I'm like, yeah. uh, hello, anybody uh, there? And I'm staring at a blank chair, right? Right. So I've had to adjust how I communicate. And the kid will be like, I don't want to be here. I'm like, dude, you are welcome to not want to be here. And that's okay. Yeah. Sometimes I don't feel like showing up either. And you acknowledge their feelings and they sit there and they feel like they're gotten. Yep. And when you feel like you're gotten, you're like, okay, you're if you're upset, it's okay. If you're sad, it's okay. If you're frustrated, it's okay. And let's keep going. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's, it's great. Like, honestly, like it's been one of the best strategies is validating those feelings. Cause yeah. that's really all we want. We all want to feel validated. Correct. And when we're told how we're supposed to feel, 
as opposed to how we feel, it goes against it. Even like when you have kids, I'm trying to get these kids to jump over this little bopper that I use in the yogarati class. And the kid, it's this high off the ground. Okay. And kid, I just I just did frog jumps where this kid was jumping three times as high, but now the kid is over there. I put the bopper on the ground and the kid's like, I can't do it. Uh, all these things that, oh, I believe in you. Yes, you can. You can do it. Just try. All you're doing is you're just going against this kid's belief system. So I use something called capping, connect another praise. You connect with the child and what you said, just listen, and you look at their face. I get that you're frustrated. I get that you might be scared. And then whenever their eyes go like this or whatever, you read their body language because verbal communication is only 7%. Mm -hmm. So it's insane that we spend so much time with the words instead of doing all this kinesthetic stuff. And then, so I do connect. I look at the kid. I get that you might be a little scared. The kid's like that. And then I go, listen. I know another kid and I lied. I lied. And I go, listen, I know another kid, the another in a different school has the same kind of hair as you and the same light up Spider-Man shoes. So now the kid is envisioning the other child. So now it's not about them anymore. So their oppositional wall doesn't come up. I know another kid, another school, and they were a little scared too. And now I'm connecting with them. And what that kid did was before they jumped, they took a big belly breath in and then they jumped over it and they did a really good job. And the praise is I give them a high five before they even try it and I go do you want to do it and if the kid goes huh and they do it great if they go no I say great like if you try it or if you don't you get the same response from me because I, I just do what I do I'm not committed to a certain answer coming from you and then you don't know that at night when the when the kid goes home the kid sets up their own obstacle course mm -hmm. jumps over this you do the same obstacle course again next week all of a sudden the kid's jumping over both of them and I totally forgot about it I'm like Oh, wait a minute. You can do this. Like, yeah, I practice at home. Gay job. High five. Because you give them the freedom to just be themselves, which mm -hmm. is the most beautiful thing. If you can do that. Well, yeah. And trust their feelings. Right. Which makes yes. total sense. Because mm -hmm. I mean, as a kid that grew up in the 80s and 90s, we're a little messed up on, you know, trusting how we feel. <laughs> we all we all have trauma. Did you get whooped as a little kid? I did not. But I definitely okay. have friends that did. Okay, so I got whooped as a little kid, and, and my adult mind goes, okay, I deserved it because I was a bad kid, this and that, but the inner child, which we're doing a lot of work on, the inner child is going, mommy, mommy, why are you hitting me? So I now came to understand that I'm a child abuse survivor. I even had a conversation with my mom about it. And she's like, yeah, like that's the way I was trained. I'm like, I get it. I know my grandma. I know my grandfather. I was around that stuff. If you just understand that everybody has trauma growing up and it's not even real, it, 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 things could have happened and that physically, but some of the times we just make up stuff. Some of the times mom and dad could have gotten into an argument. Mom's like, that's it. I'm leaving. Cause she wanted to go outside and have a ciggy or get a drink or go get a cup of coffee. And then your brain goes, mom's leaving um you know she doesn't love me i'm not lovable and then at three years old you program yourself and unless you do some sort of seminar or training or something that gets this to come up you're not going to allow yourself to be in any relationship you're not going to even feel lovable because you programmed yourself at three mommy doesn't love me because she left and all mom did was walked out the door and mom didn't know to have a conversation with the child going i got mad i got upset this is what happened it's okay mommy still loves you because i mean you know I, most people, it's funny when, when I do my seminars, I'm like, how many of you have kids and have pets? 
they raise their hands and I go, okay, got it. How many of you um, did more research on how to raise a pet, a dog, a cat, videos, ask questions, talk to a veterinarian. And then when somebody tells you about your human child, how many of you are programming your head goes, I- I'm good. I know how to raise my kids and you've never done it before. And yeah. they're just like, mm. and how many of you have given advice to teachers that have been doing this for 20 years and this is your first kid and how's that working? And they're like, <laughs> and how many teachers have gotten advice from parents with their firstborn children? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you know about kids? Are you going to go up to a surgeon and be like, you should cut here instead of there? Are you going to go up to your mechanic and be like, well, maybe you should fix this and that? No, these are professionals that know what they're doing. If you're trusting your car there, I mean, geez, you trust you, you drop your kid there for 50, 60 hours a week, maybe take the advice of the person that you're actually like leaving the kids with Yeah, But then they would have to let go of being right, which is, Oh, we don't like that. I remember a parent literally telling me step by steps how their child should wash their hands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been doing this over a decade. We wash Water, our hands. Soap. Yeah. Done. We sing yeah. our ABCs or the happy birthday song. We're, we mm-hmm. got this. Don't worry. We got this. And, and you know, it's interesting. So think about this too. So what, now here's the thing is when you go to the bathroom, because a lot of my work, I have this one, this one keynote called Up the Rabbit Hole, Escaping the Matrix of Your Mind, where I'm in a full matrix costume, just because a friend of mine, I told my friend, I want to dress up in a matrix costume. And I'm just like, I'm going to create a keynote. It's like, oh, you can't, no one's going to pay you for that. I'm just like, see this check? And he's like, I don't make that in three months. I'm like, you have those things called the job and like that. But like, um, it, it's like, I, I, I tell, I show people all these stuck patterns that they're in. So it's like when you, let's say you're in a public restroom, you're at your school. Okay. And, uh, you just, um, you know, it's 10 o'clock. You want to go potty. Somebody comes in and covers you. So you stay in ratio. You go into the bathroom. You got the sink right there. You got the restroom right there. What do you do? Go to the bathroom, then wash your hands. Okay. Got it. So think about this. You wake up in the morning, you take a shower, you clean everything, you soap. The most intimate of areas is the cleanest part because you probably have extra layers over that. Then you go out into the world and you touch your Starbucks and you touch the money and you touch the key card and you touch this. You go into the kids and the kids hug you and you high five and they booger on you, stun you. You have everything in the drecks of the world on your hands. You walk into the bathroom. The thing that's right there that you can clean all this stuff off is right there. And we're programmed to go... Eh, then we go in, use the bathroom, dirty what's clean, and then we wash our hands. Instead of wash your hands first, then go to the bathroom. Oh, interesting. Because I've seen it with the kids. It's like, did you wash your hands? And I go, did you wash your hands first? Then you go, why? And I explain to them. The kids are like, oh, that makes sense. And then adults are just like, literally adults are so stuck in programming. Yeah. And it's important for them, like I said, to be right about it. It's like amazing. But once you make people aware, like for example, ready? If I say up, you say down. If I say left, you say right. But now I'm like questioning it. I'm not as confident. <laughs> I want to see it because Why? we've had a conversation about it. And now you want, so if I, so if I, okay, here we go. So here's the test. If I say, stop, you say stop. Okay, great. So you agreed with me. Yes. So now, now we're aligned. You're, and I, I still hear people go uh, say the opposite. And then when someone goes stop and someone goes sign or whatever, you have the people that are stuck in the patterns go, no, you're supposed to say go. And the other person's like, 
No, I'm going to say whatever I want. You said stop and you're agreeing with me. Awesome. And that, that was less than an hour. We had a conversation. Now you're aware of a pattern and now you get to choose to change that pattern if you want. So anybody that listens to this podcast, next time they go, you get what you get. And, oh, um, okay. And then they get to make a choice. Do I want to continue and have this be win-lose? Right. Or do I want to yeah. maybe think for a second, take a breath? How do I make this win-win? And now the child gets the true joy of the teacher. Love the it. Heart of the teacher. Now, mm. talk to me about should. Mm. Okay. So for all you people watching, ready? How many people have created an expectation for another human? Never shared the expectation with them. And when they don't fulfill the expectation that they know nothing about, who are we conditioned to get mad at? Oh, I'm married hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all his, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, it, are you married to a guy? I am married to a guy and it's all his I, fault. I, okay. Of course it is a hundred percent. He should be this way. He should be that way. And that's the problem is we should all over people S H O U L D all the time. We create expectations. Like, like, like I, I talk to teachers. I mean, how many of you create expectations for the parents of your kids expectations? Like, they're going to pick their kids up on time. Um, they're going to call you back. How many of you create expectations that every parent actually cares about their kids? There's some parents that the kid was a mistake and they don't, and they look down at the child and they put all that negative stuff on there and they don't even realize they're doing it. I mean, other times it's like, you know, parents create expectations that they're going to send their kids to you. You'll teach them the rule structure and discipline so that when they come home, they're going to be like Mary Poppins kids. Like, hello, mother. Hello, father. May I do extra chores today? And it's insane. We've been trained to create expectations for everyone, which is all in our brain has nothing to do with reality. So what I do is I have people notice when they say should I say, listen, only if you want win-win and only if you want to be happier. There's people that have no interest in being happier because then they would have to be responsible for their own happiness. Right. So for example, okay, so why don't we try Let's play a little game. Ready? What is one expectation that you have for your husband? So say my husband should. My husband should take out the garbage without me reminding him. Okay. So notice how you feel and it's okay. Now take out the word should and put could in that sentence. Ready, set, go. My husband could take out the garbage without me reminding him. Now, oh, now there's a little teeth smiling. Now, same emotion or different emotion? Different emotion because he could do it. He just didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how would your husband want you to be? How is your husband doing with all these expectations that you have for him as opposed to just having him be the way that he is? Probably. That feels was good. Like, that was, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't want it. I don't want it. But I love him. But I don't want it because I want to be right. And I mean, here's the thing, ready? It's so, but it's so important. I'm going to give you a little, little thing somebody did to me that blew my mind. Ready? I two hands. Show me two hands. Ready? Okay, ready? Okay, being right. Grab onto being right. Grab onto being happy. Now choose. Mm, yeah. And notice how all of a sudden the calm comes over because now you get the power. You get to be responsible that you have this. I stopped making everybody wrong. I stopped creating expectations for anybody. And now I'm happier and I'm calmer. 
because I'm not run by this brain that's been designed to sabotage us, to judge us, to evaluate us. This thing is is, is a mind um, like messer up or whatever. I was going to say a different word. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's okay. I said yeah, that yeah, word yeah. in my head. Okay, exactly. But but it, but you said it in your head, but it's my fault because you said it. That's the thing. So, but it, it's it's interesting. If you just become present to the costs. When you feel like you're right, when you're being right over a child, when you're trying to dominate a child, in that moment, there's no love. In that moment, there's no connectivity. In that moment, there's no human to human connection. And if you're okay with that, great. You can be any way that you want. And then if you're not okay with it, you get to try changing it. And then slowly but surely, we reprogram our brain because this is just a program. This is just a computer. Emotions are just chemicals. And the thing is with emotions and emotion means energy and motion. So if we move that energy through our bodies, as opposed to being stuck in it, all of a sudden we have access to joy and happiness. But unfortunately our society is telling us, Oh, you feel something, push it down. Drugs, alcohol, drinking, this, that TV, num, 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 as opposed to whatever's coming up, scream, let it out, cry it out. Two minutes of crying. Oh my God, a deep down like that. All of a sudden the emotions come up, the movement comes up and it's amazing. It's amazing. You just feel it's all gone out of your system. So what is the shift been that you've noticed in classrooms when teachers have implemented a collaborative win-win classroom? Do we suddenly have a bunch of children that, and I'm totally provoking you here, that are a bunch of robots and sit crisscross applesauce and listen or is there a different feeling to a classroom? Like what is the biggest shift been that you've noticed when teachers have implemented a behavior mastery? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with robots. I mean, like worker bees. I mean, people are told, especially in, in the last two years, people are told what to do and 95% of people are just doing it. Okay. And then there's 5% of people that question everything. Like I did, why do I need this? Why do I need that? And it's like, I do the same thing with high school. I got a master's in education just so I can have MED after my name so I can get bigger speaking gigs. And I would argue with the people, um, you know, about they're like Erickson, a Piaget. I'm like, you're talking about archaic books. When was the last time you're in a classroom? Because they wanted to be right. So what I've noticed is um, when you uh, get the alphas to come on board because you give them the thing that they've wanted the whole entire time, the opportunity to be able to just talk about their passion. If it's not if it's not circle time, if it's not show and tell time, teachers are shut. This one kid loves talking about cars. All he talks about is cars. That's his gift. That's his gift. This kid 20 years from now is going to be like in the next Elon Musk coming up with flying cars, this and that. This one kid that loves talking about themselves. They could be a politician. They could be an announcer. They could be an artist. They can be a spoken word. It doesn't make a difference. And if you get the kid, so um, part four of my behavior mastery is called unique positive reinforcer. The alpha boy and the alpha girl that already runs the class pretty much anyway, you know, why not have them come on your side? Because martial arts is about having all these assistant instructors. I, when I was learning, I was the senpai. There was another senpai and my sensei was teaching and he would then have me go around and work with some of the kids that didn't have the skills. When I was teaching my classes, when I was teaching the preschoolers at the dojo, uh, my senpais were two kids from the SWAT team, the super winning attitude team. And oh, okay, here's a new kid. So you go and work with this and just teach them their stances. This kid needs their form, blah, blah, blah. And then I would be teaching the class or walking around. So if you have 
the kid do their own show. So, um, for example, think of a kid, uh, people that are watching, think of, think of your alpha and what's their favorite thing to do. What's their favorite thing to talk about, talk about dinosaurs, whatever it is, not the kids that when you say, what's your favorite dinosaur, all the kids go T-Rex, the kid that goes, do you mean omnivore, herbivore, carnivore? Do you mean the Tyrannosaurus Rex, the smaller one, the Allosaurus, the smaller one, the Velociraptor, the four-legged ones with the Brachiosaurus and the Brontosaurus, the ones with the spikes on their tails or the plates like the Stegosaurus and the Ankylosaurus. Now, obviously I love dinosaurs. Nobody ever asked me. My parents didn't know. My teachers didn't know. My guidance counselor didn't know. No one cared to ask. This kid, I say, look, do you want to do a show? In five, 10 minutes, you get to do a show every single day. Talk. This kid's going to go home. They're going to study. They're going to come up with stuff. They're going to dig things out of their backyard. And then they're going to put the show on for the kids. They're already going to keep the kids engaged. They're going to have fun. And now you are actually allowing this kid to talk about their passion and their vision and their gift for their life. You're finally giving them what they want instead of shutting them down because we have a curriculum book. We must go over this. We must spend 15 minutes minutes in circle time what's the weather what's the weather what's the weather and the alpha's like it's sunny can i do like something that i mean like why are we even doing this so getting these kids to have their vision out in front now all of a sudden allows them to access their true joy and then what i do a little sneaky then what i do is part five is uh, the last part is called the uh, fast forward testing because a lot of times we have teachers that give consequences to the kids and they're like if you do this i'm gonna call your mother and the alpha's like what's her number and you're just like like that like because they call you out on it so fast forward testing is you talk to the child say listen do you want to do this show every single day? The kid's like, uh-huh, like, you know, before nap time, after nap time, whatever. I mean, I'm sure, you know, give them 10 minutes of time. I'm sure you're spending at least 10 minutes with that kid anyway, when all the other kids, you know, are you making good choices? And this kid has all your attention. 19 other kids are doing what they're supposed to do, but he has all your attention. His mind's like, yeah, this is a pretty good choice because I have all your focus on me. So then what you do is you say, look, on the days that you want to do the show, All you do is, and then you give them a unique leadership responsibility that doesn't exist. Not one off the Velcro board, something different. So I teach kids how to be breathing buddies, where you become a breathe. Because if if a child is having a fit, the child is upset, whatever it is. I don't know if it's a real behavior, if it's a fake behavior. I can put on fake tears the same as I do when I get pulled over. So I do scream, whatever it is. So I, you can smile, it's okay. So, um, So what I do is I have the kids... It, uh, figure out a, to be a breathing buddy. A breathing buddy is the kid that if one kid's having a fit or they're upset or whatever, I go like this. I'm like, like this, go, and I go to the kid. So I don't even say anything. I keep teaching the class. The child goes over, goes to the child and goes, I'm going to breathe with you. Okay, not take a breath, not, you know, calm down, like how much we do that. You know, we're, we're in front of kids, calm down, take a breath. There's a tour coming. I need this job. Oh my goodness. Blah, blah, blah. And the kid's like, uh, uh, but if I told you to relax, all right, if I told you to take a breath, if your hubby said, honey, you're getting into an argument, honey, take a breath, relax. You, of course, would go, oh, yes, my dear, let's continue. No, you lose your mind. Only you tell me what to because that's how we are. So then this kid goes over to the child. And they put their hand on the shoulder and they go, I'm going to breathe with you. And they do take three or four of the other kids. Uh, 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 but after the third or fourth breath, you're like, uh, uh, and then like after five or six breaths, all of a sudden they're self-regulated. The energy's flowing between the two kids. They're great. And then the child demonstrated being a breathing body. So the teacher goes, oh, okay, you get your show today. And then the teacher goes, listen, 
on the days that you don't want to do your show and the kid's like, what are you talking about? Like, there's never going to be a day I don't want to do this, but you say it, you know, so on the days that you don't want to do your show, all you have to do is, and then you list the top two behaviors that you want the child to stop. There's kids that climb trees. They're going to be American Ninja Warrior. There's kids that are building things. They, they talk, they interrupt, they throw fits, they do fake, all these behaviors. There's like a billion behaviors that the kids are doing to get attention. Because when you do what you're supposed to do, you're not seen. And when you do opposite, then all of a sudden you're seen and the whole world starts giving you attention. That's what I learned. Okay. Especially if you're a child that has something to say and has something to express to the world. So then all of a sudden you talk to the child, look on the day you don't want to do the show. All you have to do is call out loud. And here's the fast forward testing and people get a little weird about this, but it works. I go, and if you don't believe me, call out loud right now. And then you go, Jenny, tell me a story. And Jenny starts doing a story and the kid's sitting there and he wants to call out loud because that's how he gets his attention. But now what happens is his eyes or her eyes go up and to the right. Or to us, it'll be up and to the left. They start creating a story and a picture and a video about themselves interrupting, throwing a fit, climbing, running around, all the behaviors you don't want them to do that we specifically said. The child pictures themselves doing it, then doesn't get the show. And then you see the kid look right at you. I've done this 10 out of 10 times in front of directors and said, it's not going to work. Kids are too young. I had a two and a half year old. I went like this. It's like, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to do it. And if you don't believe me, then go throw a fit right now. And the kid went like this and he looked back and he went, no. And because his brain is going, you're not going to trick me into not getting my show. I'm going to show you, I'm never going to throw a fit again. And for the first time ever, the kid actually makes a choice. I'm not doing this behavior because we connected and we gave them what they wanted. It's awesome. The other thing that I didn't throw on part three is called the power look where the child goes in when they go like, do I want you running or do I want you sitting? And the kid goes, you want me running now? make the face. The power look is instead of, you know, teachers have this look that they contort their face. I'm very disappointed. I'm very upset. Miss Susie's very sad. And the kids like I me, mean, we pay Jim Carrey and Kate McKinnon and Sebastian Maniscalco millions of dollars to make these faces and the teachers do it for free. So what I teach is called the power look where it's like this. It's like, I like the way you're following directions. I like the way you're following directions. And then the kid is in front of me doing the opposite on purpose because he wants my response. And I go, I love the way you're doing what I asked you to do. You're doing such a wonderful job today. I'm so proud of you. Do I want you running or do I want you sitting crisscross applesauce? Now what I'm doing is, okay, so now, I'm looking back at the camera before I was looking over the camera. When you do the power look, you look at the top of the forehead and you sing row, row, row your boat to yourself in your head because you don't want your own inner dialogue to kick in. And then what happens is when your face goes emotionally blank, this is all based on the studies of Dr. Paul Ekman. This guy would train, uh, this guy would train uh, uh, FBI profilers to read people's faces. And that's what these kids are. These kids are FBI profilers. I mean, as, as young as babies, where there's like, I mean, a baby's on, on a table and the baby throws a bottle on the ground. She goes, oh, don't do that. She puts the bottle back on. The kid's like, ooh, and they throw the bottle again. And it's like, ooh, and the teacher's like, why are you throwing the bottle? And the kid's like, because all of a sudden the boring teachers now is making all these faces and the kids having a great time and there's 15 bottles on the ground 
So when you take away that emotional response, when you do the power look top of the forehead and don't drop down to their eyes because they're super cute and they'll get you, especially the kids that you walk, they walk in when you first meet, oh, aren't you so cute? The kid's like, I remember I heard that word cute. Cute means I can get away with whatever I want. And then they go back into their automatic patterns and they start manipulating everybody. And they're so good at it. They're so Hmm. smart. They're so brilliant. I love them. Oh, I know. I, and really, and it is so much about brain simulation, right? Like that's what we're giving them when we change our face because they're going, what's wrong with Miss Ward's face today? Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. Like I, I I ask people, it's like, how many of you have kids that push your buttons and everybody's like, all right, I'm like, okay, got it. Show me your button. And I'm just like, your belly button doesn't count. And they're sitting there like dumbfounded. I'm just like, you don't have buttons. What happens though, as a child says something to you, your face contorts or whatever. And then all of a sudden this pops up on your forehead and then the child does. So every single time, I don't love you. And then, Oh, how can you do that? And the kid every half hour now, I don't love you. You're not lovable. Why don't you have a boyfriend yet? How come your boyfriend broke up with you? And all of a sudden they're going like that, but, but it's literally the teachers are like, here's my button. Don't push it. Don't push my button. You're not allowed to push my button. And and then when they do it, they're generally surprised that the kids do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm chubby and I'm chubby. And when the kids call me fat, I'm like, I'm like, I love my belly. I love to eat. And they're like, oh, this doesn't work. But if you do that to somebody else that has self-conscious issues or whatever it is, or self-esteem issues, and they lose their mind, that kid's gonna be fat shaming kids till they're like 180 years old. It's because one person gave a response. Yeah. And they want to see how many other people will give a response. Right. Of course. Why not? Well, I mean, they're there for 10 hours a day. Oh yeah. Mm. And half the stuff in the preschools is boring. And then what do they do? Then they go and they carb up the kids and they give them juice. And then they go now lay down for two hours (laughs) and they're surprised that these kids don't want to do it. I'm like, listen, if I gave you a double shot of espresso and then put you in front of a TV with the blue light screen, that's okay. Good. Now go to bed. It's impossible, but we have these unrealistic expectations based on no reality. And we say, this kid should, this kid should. No kid's the same, especially the neurodivergent ones, especially, I mean, the ones that, I mean, I I have conversations where I try to get some kids that I coach to drop out of high school as fast as possible. And people are like, how can you do that? I'm like, well, because Elon Musk and because Seth Rogen and because Jennifer Lawrence and because uh, this person and that person, because the industrialized American education system is not designed to help kids that have unique systems. It's designed to have you take tests so that you go to college, that you get into debt because the college debt system is the only one. Like if you claim bankruptcy, you can't get rid of your college debt because the government relies on all that stuff that's why they want people conformed and just doing the same thing so I try to get kids out of high school as fast as possible I was coaching this one kid who loved NASCAR and the mom's like okay well he wants to be an engineer we're going to send him to college and this and that I'm like well he wants to work with cars why are you sending him to college and it's just like, well, because he has, I'm like, who told you that? It's like, how about you reach out, go on LinkedIn and reach out to people in NASCAR and actually ask the real people question. Why do you believe college advisors and guidance counselors, people that there's no way that they wanted to be a guidance counselor? I can't imagine. I can't wait to ruin other people's dreams. So they go and do that. Now they, I get an email from the mom like a year ago. Oh, hey, this is Rona. Do you remember? Like, of course I remember your kid. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, uh, he graduated high school and now he's in North Carolina working with NASCAR. I'm amazing. like, great. Yeah, it's amazing. Get these kids out of high school, out of college and just get them to, to do. But this is like I said, 
It's not for everyone. People are going to have response. They're going to be triggered by it. And I get it because they went into the, the whole thing. So, you know, I mean, sorry, I went off on it. No, that's a good tower condition. Like I know with my grade yeah. nines, tens and elevens, there's a lot of pressure for them to pick their university. And for my creatives, that's just not the route for some of them. No, no, go be what you want to be, especially now with the internet and with YouTube and with Facebook, there are kids. I show videos of kids that started their own shows at three and four and five years old with the support of their families. Now some of these videos have 2 million views and they monetize it and they make so much money more than the parents because the people advertise on it. But if you don't understand what's happening and you don't connect with your kid, then you're going to be stuck in the programming. And my question is, it's like, do you have all this extra money to go to college or do you have all this extra money to be able to go into debt? Why don't you do this? It's like, instead of, you know, doing this and doing this, why don't you actually just ask your kid, what do you want to do? That's it. Like my parenting program, simple. It's two questions, uh, two things. I love you. How can I support you? I want to be a DJ. Great. Tell me about it. Not, oh my God, be a DJ, bro. You don't know what being a DJ is. I want to be a social media influencer. Oh, you can't do that. You're going to be a, I want to be a YouTube star. YouTube stars are people that focus on their passions and their dreams and then get paid a lot of money to do the thing that makes them happy. I got my girlfriend to quit her job that she hated. And now she can't, she does marketing. She does websites and she hated working with other people. Now she's a hundred percent on board with Yogarati. We created a Yogarati YouTube channel last week. She's already done so much stuff on there. And yesterday she came and she started learning how to teach Yogarati at a preschool that I teach at. And she's like, I'm so happy. I get to do what I want to do. I'm like, yes, that's the point. Well, that's just it. Life is too short to not be happy. But that's people. I got a friend of mine. He said to me and he he runs preschools. And my friend is like, they so told me and I've known him from high school. And it blew my mind when he said this, like, Ron, the difference between you and I is your most important thing is being happy. And my most important thing is making money. And this guy is just I'm just like, yeah, but you but, can make money but, if you're happy. I really do believe that. I, it, it's true. Look at look at Seth Rogen. Look at all these guys that do this, do that. I mean, there's so many people making money doing what they love. Yeah. And that's the dream, right? Yeah. So, but I think at the end of the day, the big thing is support, mm-hmm. validation, yeah. yes. and that connection piece, right? And it doesn't matter if you're two, 20 or well into your senior years, having your feelings validated, having that connection with other human beings is huge. Yes. And anything that you have, I don't care if you're 20 or you're 60 or 70, you can start on your dream. Whatever your internal Sanders didn't start till he's like 70 years old with his chicken. I mean, it's amazing. It's just like you can literally do whatever you want to do and put your stuff out there. If you love to knit, then you're knitting anyway. Just put a camera on you and just start talking about it. And if you're good at what you do, all of a sudden there's going to be a billion people that love knitting across the planet are going to come to your site. You're going to have a 10,000 people all of a sudden youtube's like do you want to monetize would you like a check for a thousand bucks extra a month right uh, for doing nothing different yeah you just turned the camera on there and you, you share your joy with the world there you go just press play that's awesome well ron thank you so much for coming on today there were so many golden nuggets throughout and hopefully everybody has a few things to take back to their classroom to have a win-win environment Yes, please. 
Awesome. And, and, and if someone, and seriously, I don't charge for coaching because I'm traveling and I'm at the beach and I'm doing a lot of walks with my dog or he's actually walking me. But if anybody here, um, if you used to be a person where it's, I can't wait to see my kids today. And now it's, I can't wait till it's six o'clock. And somehow your passion went out the window, reach out to me. Let me spend 10, 15 minutes with you discovering what point you made a decision subconsciously that took your joy and your happiness away. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, uh, he just reinforced it. And then, and then let me, you work with preschool kids. I mean, it's like, I get, we don't do it for the money. You know, we do it for the joy, for the happiness. But now if you're not 100% happy in your environment, you know, I mean, it's going to be detrimental to the kids. So, yeah. so shout to me. I mean, it's my, my website's ronspeak.com. Real simple. And just send me an email. I'll talk with you. I'll coach you. I don't care if I never met you. It doesn't matter. I just want to help people so that I can help the kids. Cause I mean, who knows? I help one teacher who now all of a sudden gives a kid an opportunity to do this and that. And then now when you have 25 years from now, Hey, guess what? Time travel. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Ron. And all your information will also be on our podcast notes. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you.